Instead of toss, Anderson, he'll get it. And plenty more. CJ Anderson is going to go all the way. And the Denver Broncos win the game. I don't know if we should make fun of Al Michaels, but he did sort of blow us off, so screw it. What the hell was that? <laughs> <laughs> that That's his overtime call? The Denver Broncos win the game. Jeez. Yeah, it's very... Uh... Second time this season on Sunday Night Football, CJ scored a walk-off TD. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so who scored the walk-off TD in the... Uh... Browns game? No, in the um, it's Sunday night had a third one. Uh, Arizona and um, Cincinnati, I think. Why don't you look that up? Okay. Um, welcome to uh, season five, episode thirty-eight of the Sportscasters. Uh, unfortunately, although we know nothing lasts forever, uh, <laughs> the November rain has passed us. Yep. But December clouds are now covering us. As it is December first, two thousand fifteen, and it's still like in the fifties in Buffalo. Yeah, it's weird. So uh, I don't know. Bad news. That's bad news for us because that means the lake isn't getting cold enough. And one day you're all going to be making fun of us because you're going to see pictures on the news of like eight feet of snow. <laughs> I know. Does anyone else in the world uh, know as much? Like amateur weathermen know as much about like lake effect snow. Like everyone here from a very young age knows why. Why we being get, warm yeah. screws us all up, and Ugh, it's gonna happen. Yeah, because every year when it stays warm this long, every year that someone's had this conversation with me on on Thanksgiving, oh boy, this is great weather, huh? You can't you can't beat this shorts and Thanksgiving in Buffalo. Every time I hear that, within like six weeks, it's get pounded. There's eight feet of snow outside. Yep. Um, we have a great show today, uh, and I want to tell a little bit of a backstory. Uh, Joe Buck is making his sportscaster's debut today, and I've mentioned it a few times on Twitter. And here's what happened. Quick backstory on this. Okay. So Joe Buck has a new show on the audience network on DirecTV called Undeniable. And I hadn't really heard about the show, to be honest. And then I was reading on Twitter all these pretty good tweets about Joe Buck and Derek Jeter, which was the first episode in this interview that they did. And then the next day, Artie Lang had Buck on his podcast, sort of talking about the show. Uh, so I have DirecTV and I DVR'd it and uh, I watched it one night after everyone went to bed. And I really, 100% sincerity, I really enjoyed it. It's one hour. It's a lot like what we do here sometimes with guests mm-hmm. where you have a lot of time to talk with them and you go deep. And and to me, it reminded me of Howard Stern. I talked to Buck about this, how the interviews that Howard Stern does now, they're longer usually than anywhere else you can hear that person. Right. You know, because usually let's say someone's promoting a movie. Where do they go? They go to Fallon. Well, what's that? Eight minutes? Sure. You know, or wherever. 
Yeah, podcasts. And, like Adam Kroll is a good example of that. So any, right. any podcast, a lot long form. You get them somewhere. And it felt like a sports version of that. And Buck and Jeter had fun with each other. And it was really good. And I just tweeted that I enjoyed the show and that Buck was near the top. At Buck was near the top of the list of people I'd love to get on the show but probably won't. Oh, okay. And he responded a few minutes later and said, just say the word. And I didn't let him off the hook. I said, okay, I'm saying the word. I want you to come on. <laughs> and uh, he started following me, and I DM'd him, and I said, you know, we've tried this uh, through the proper channels and just haven't uh, – we haven't been debunked. We just haven't been able to get over the hump. I think I told you in the beginning of the year, I think we're going to get Bucker Aikman. Yes. Because yeah, I, I was that. Yep. told we were going to, but just getting to that next step uh, wouldn't happen. But Joe uh, – uh, made it happen, and we have a 35-minute interview with Joe Buck uh, on the podcast today, and I think you guys are going to love it. Also, a few weeks back, we had Matt Yoder on the show from Awful Announcing, and he talked about how they were getting ready to launch a new sports site. Uh, and that site has launched, and one of the main cogs of that site is Dan Levy, uh, who is famous on this show for me saying his name wrong, uh, and for being one of the first outsiders to sort of put the show over in his own format uh, way back in like – Yeah, right. Uh, he had this podcast called On the DL and in one of the final episodes of it, uh, he gave us a really nice boost and a really nice shout out. And we got some really great fans who uh, became kind of sports podcast refugees in a way uh, because that podcast was ending – and as it was ending, he said, hey, this one might be good, and they found our way over. Uh, so we have Joe Buck and we have uh, Dan Levy on the show. And I did, I believe, get through the entire thing without saying his name wrong, which thank right. God, because it's just so embarrassing. Uh, and I have no idea. It, it's James' what's, what's it's funny Jane's is, fault because – Well, right, yeah. They spell it differently, but it's the same. And in Buffalo, there's Marv Levy. Right. So and I should think that would – and I, that's what I used. But it's Jane, yeah. You know, I used that today. Right. You're talking to Marv Levy's son, Dan. I kept saying <laughs> that in my head. Uh, so we got some great stuff to get to. Real quick. Yeah. Uh, Bengals-Cardinals was ended on a last-second field goal. Oh, it was a field goal. Yep. 32-yard field goal with two seconds left after an unsportsmanlike conduct uh, penalty called against some guy for hollering out offensive signals. That's right. That's right. All right. Three things. Let's do it. Count of three. One. All righty. I'll take it off. Two. The oil patterns on a PBA lane are very, very difficult. Three. I might be able to beat Jamarcus Russell at quarterback. <laughs> this is the funnest night ever. <laughs> Did we just become best friends? Yep. Now let's move on to other business. So my brother was home for Thanksgiving this weekend. Oh yeah, how's he doing? and uh, he's doing well. And him of course, and his, of course he is. Yeah, of course. <laughs> him and his buds like to do twenty dollars parlays. They like to put together these three team parlays. Okay, I don't. I for I've gambled. I've I know sports betting. I don't know what a parlay is, which is a pretty... parlay is basically just you put two or three games together, and it increases or decreases what you can win based on. What you're putting together. If you put okay, so it's three just, huge underdogs together, it pays out 
quite a bit for 20 bucks. But it's not a specific set. Like you could have a 10-team parlay if you want to see Yeah, that. I think so. But okay. t- t- typically, they're two or three team. Gotcha. And these are against the spread usually. Absolutely. Yeah, but you right. can put a money line in. Okay. You know, if a money line is a plus 180 or something, you could throw that in. Okay. So my brother said to me, what about Oklahoma tonight? Do you like Oklahoma? And I said, you know what? I don't trust them. You know, Stoops has this rep, big game, Bob, and it just, in the last 30, 40 games, it just hasn't been there, and I don't like it at all. What was the line on that? I actually watched it. It was, uh, the Sooners were, uh, the Sooners were minus seven on the road. So they're a touchdown favorite in Oklahoma State. Like, you know, it's a rivalry game. You know, it's got a name called Bedlam, which means crazy right, stuff happens. Right, yep. Um. So I really strayed him away when it was around 44 to 19. <laughs> I sent him a text and said, always believed in the boys. Never doubted him tonight. How did he do? What, what game did he pick instead? Do you he actually picked Notre Dame minus three or plus three instead. So he won because they oh, okay. lost by two. Okay. Uh, so he won. I don't think he won the parlay. I don't know. I don't keep track of yeah, his parlays. Yeah. But uh, bad advice for me. But the greater point is... That in a few minutes or a few hours or probably by the time uh, this goes up, the committee is for the second last time going to tell us who is in the playoffs. And at this point, with one weekend of games left, this is what it looks like, Don. It looks like Oklahoma is in. Number three, right? They don't have another game. They were number three last week. They added another top ten win against on the road to their resume. Uh, the committee has seemed to much care much more about who you beat than who you've lost to. Um, okay. You know, their one loss was to Texas back in October. Committee hasn't seemed to hold that against them. Last year, they did hold the fact that the Big 12 didn't have a championship game against the league, but there also wasn't an all-out champion. Like, Does it year. never have a championship? Um, since it fell below the amount of teams needed. Oh, okay, okay. But this year, Oklahoma is an all-champion. So I think almost everyone unanimously believes they have a spot. Yeah, the ESPN streak for the win contest, mine popped up today, was Oklahoma at three or Oklahoma with any other ranking. Right. So they could maybe move up a spot. It's doubtful they're going to move down to five. So let's just say they're probably in. The other thing that's probably true, definitely true, is that this weekend, if Clemson beats North Carolina and Alabama beats Florida, those two teams will be in. Be one and two, probably, right? Well, probably. Clemson, right. And then the third thing that is probably true, and this is probably almost as true as Oklahoma, whoever wins the Big Ten championship game between undefeated Iowa and one lost Michigan State is in. So as of right now, it looks like the playoffs is going to be, assuming no chaos, Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma, and the winner of Iowa-Michigan State. All right, I was about to ask you who is going to feel snubbed, but there is no undefeated team that's going to feel snubbed, assuming Iowa wins. there's no one there to feel snubbed. So that's kind of nice. I mean, it's not great for talking points. Notre Dame would have been the team to feel snubbed. But they lost. they lost. 
Now, here's the interesting thing, because sometimes in college football, you root for chaos, right? Sure. And, of course, we did this in the BCS era because we wanted it it to die. Yep. Uh, If you're looking for chaos this year, probably what you want is North Carolina to beat Clemson because... Wow, then you have all one lost team except for Iowa. Because Clemson is not going... The committee does not appear like they would elevate North Carolina into that spot. So it's not as simple as like, well, Clemson just comes out and North Carolina goes in. Uh, they lost to like a 3-9 and nine team. And I know I've said that the committee hasn't held that against right. them. Uh, well, who have they beat? But they haven't. They don't have a, they don't have a resume full of top 25 wins like OU. Or like OU and Michigan State are the only two teams in the five power conferences who all of their non-conference teams are going to bowl games. Yeah, the only win they would have against... And now, when they list these, it's the rank of the team at the time. At the time. Yeah. So is Pitt. Yeah. And that's, they were 23. So it doesn't so. seem like they would be elevated. So that's, I think, the game where you... Because look at whatever happens in the in the, uh, the Michigan State-Iowa game, it just one of them's in, one of them's out. It's a playing game. Now, if Alabama loses... What if Michigan State wins that game? Yes. And North Carolina wins. Clemson's probably still in. I mean, nobody's going to fall out, right? Clemson would still be in. Alabama, Oklahoma. No, Clemson could fall out. You they know could who fall could, right out, huh? You know who could sneak in? Is Ohio State. Ohio State. Yeah. So, uh, it's interesting. It's not. It's interesting. There's some possibilities. It's not going to happen, though. But if I was to put. Someone said, here's. $10,000, you have to bet it on who the four teams are in the college football playoffs. I would pretty confidently put my money that it's going to be Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma, and the winner of that Iowa-Michigan State game, and I would pick Michigan State. Right. Um, the other thing is is I do believe that if Alabama loses to Florida, there will not be an SEC team in the playoffs, which would be pretty crazy because – I mean, you know how everyone talks and thinks about the SEC, but they don't really have anyone to take the spot yet. I would doubt they're going to put a two-loss SEC team in over, over like a one-loss Ohio State or something, or even Iowa. Who only have one loss, right? Especially, I mean, in Ohio State is is a great example because their losses to Michigan State, you know, they didn't lose the cupcake or anything. Yeah, that's that's interesting. They they, so, they got a case. Oh, they they haven't played anybody though. They, I mean, they beat Michigan. Yeah, they never play anybody. Yeah, that's yeah, a big so. time. Speaking of playoffs, I think this is the first week that I've really started to think about the NFL playoffs, and it's for two reasons. One, I know the Saints aren't making it officially. Um, you know, and then that's and that's fine. I mean, I have never really come on here and boasted about this playoff team that they may or may not be. Yeah, the Bills aren't either. So. And, and yeah, and I think that maybe, unfortunately, the Bills didn't get any help from the Saints and they didn't get any help from themselves losing to the Chiefs. Uh, but I did want to talk a little bit just, you know, we did this last time. We sort of had a checkpoint, right? Mm-hmm. And this is where we're at playoff-wise if the season ended today. Patriots would still be the one seed. Sounds like they dodged a bullet on that Gronk injury. Yeah, Sounds no like kidding. he misses maybe one game. Um, and maybe they get Edelman back. They're definitely getting Amendola back. So This is the stuff why... They just may end up healthy at the right time again. I know I'm supposed to hate the Patriots, and particularly Tom Brady. Hard not to respect them. Because I'm a Bills fan. Right. And this is why I wish they didn't have all the little gray area cheating indiscretion things. Because... 
I mean, Tom Brady's doing it with smoke and mirrors at this point. I mean, there's nobody left. Especially Sunday it. night when they go down and there's like a minute left and he gets the ball and it's just bang, bang, right. bang, like, field goal. We're going to yeah. overtime. And that by that point, Gronk is gone, Amendola's gone. I mean, there's no one on the field with him. They the one guy Lewis, that Lewis gone. Uh, what's his name? Harmon. I think he had like one or two targets in the game. They cut him after the game. Like, yeah, they, he's literally playing with nobody. I think he's probably the best ever. But I mean, like like you said, he got all the like hate all those little indiscretions. It probably can't be held against him too much. But Patriots would be one, Bengals two. They'd get the buys. The Broncos would be in. Uh, the Colts are still uh, ahead of Houston. Uh, for that division, they're both six and five, and then the 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 wild cards right now would be Kansas City and Houston. Uh, the Jets and the Steelers would be out now. The Steelers are interesting because Roethlisberger, I think, is one of the first players to put himself into concussion protocol. Yeah, apparently they they spoke about that on uh, ESPN's Fantasy Football podcast today, and uh, their injury expert there, Stefania Bell, mentioned that he checked himself in a few years back, and he thinks. She thinks they kind of got grief about it a little bit, but now I mean, with all the stuff about CTE, now there's it's not a pussy move. No, or, yeah, like a macho he, thing. He wants to like be alive after his career. So, do you think any of the five? Do you think Oakland or Buffalo have a legitimate shot at the playoffs? I, do I think that somehow? I mean, if the Bills can go into Houston and win and get to six and six, uh, first of all, that brings Houston back to you, right? Um, Gives you a tiebreaker there, right? I think the Bills can be teased. I think the Bills can tease me into thinking that there's a shot again. Do I think realistically right now there's a chance? No. I said if they won against Kansas City and Houston, they had a really good shot at actually making the playoffs. But they had to win those two games. And they didn't, so I'm going to stick by that and say We have said since day one in this podcast, you are what your record are. And there's no denying the Carolina Panthers anymore. No, uh, they're eleven and zero. They're the last undefeated team in football. They'd be the one seed in the NFC. Arizona, who's going to be a very tough out uh, forever, who forever for Carolina or anyone. They were great last year. It's just they yeah, were down to their fourth down, string yeah. quarterback. And, and they, so. you know, if Palmer can stay upright, and that'd be my goal if I were them the rest of the year is make sure Carson Palmer is around for the playoffs. <laughs> they're out of running backs. All of they a are sudden. out of running backs all of a sudden. Uh, but they'll be exciting. Adrian Peterson is having an MVP season again. It looks like he's going to win the rushing title. He's playing his best football. And the mix of him and now having – it's not some jabron quarterback behind him. Right. You know, it's a, it's a decent it's a decent player in Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. Uh, they'd be the three seed. And then right now at five and six, uh, Washington will win the NFC East. I just want to make this point again real quick. <laughs> this happens every year, okay? So don't yeah. get too down on any of these divisions. Every year, one of uh, the divisions, they're not that good, and a team gets in. And if you're going to have divisions, you got to make winning it worth a playoff spot. Now, the one thing, and I've always said this, and I think we've always said this, they probably shouldn't get to host the game. Right. But if you win, the, if you, win you, you should probably be in. And then all of a sudden, Seattle has passed Atlanta for six, and Green Bay has five. Um I don't see Tampa Bay uh, getting into this, and I don't see Chicago, uh, although Chicago is hot, maybe they uh, can get into it, but I got to imagine, I I don't know. That's pretty much set outside of if maybe New York wins the division instead of Washington. I can't imagine three teams coming out of that same division. Chicago still has to play Green Bay and Minnesota still, so they're going to beat on each other a little bit, and I mean, if Chicago is going to make it, they got to win both of those games. I think Atlanta, who is what five and zero, 
something to know. They're good to know. They're six and five now. They're dead. Yeah, I think so and too. Seattle's got that spot now, and they're not giving it up. So if you want to get into the NFC playoffs, you're going to have to try to get Seattle or Green Bay out of there, or hope the Vikings collapse. I think Atlanta at the end of this year and uh, Cincinnati, if they have their usual playoff troubles, they're interesting teams to talk about. We've talked about this before, but I mean the Bills have been in the quarterback purgatory. They've called it themselves, like where. You just have a guy that's kind of good or whatever. Uh, and the Bengals have a guy. At least their guy gets into the playoffs. But, like, boy, if you're Atlanta and you have Matt Ryan, is he just not that good? Is Andy Dalton just not that good? I mean, you're kind of stuck with those guys because they're good enough. Yeah, I think someone said they show you the things you want to see enough that they drag you along, but then nearly every time they break your heart in the end. But say it plays out this year where they miss the playoffs. Atlanta. Atlanta does. Okay. Wouldn't you rather be Oakland? Almost. I mean. I, yeah, if you can get Derek Carr, sure. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like if you've got Carr. Did I say the right car? Is, is it Derek. Derek. Yeah, yeah okay. David was. Yeah. Okay, okay. So, I mean, I'd almost rather have Derek Carr, who's a little bit less proven, but he's got the pedigree and he's trending in the right direction than right. to have the guy that's already. The only problem is, and as you know, as a Bills fan, is it's hard to find David Carr even. And he wasn't a first-round pick, but still, that that's hard right. to find. Yeah. So, I just wanted to check in on playoffs for NFL. We haven't done that at all. So that's where that stands. Last thing, Patrick Kane uh, set a record this week for nuts. consecutive point streak for an American player in the National Hockey League. Now, there's some people complaining that they think it's a, like a, like it's a nothing thing. Have you heard this? You know, like no. – like, Oh, well, it's not even the Blackhawks' longest scoring streak. What's the longest scoring streak? Yeah, you know, this is the the improv rule you always break. I, I don't know off the top of my head oh, what the longest sorry. scoring streak <laughs> is. but uh, I didn't know if it was like a Ted, uh, Ted Williams thing. You know, Patrick Kane did uh, set this week um, 19 games in a row with a point. Uh, and, man, has he has he killed it. Now, I guess this is kind of interesting, and Awful Announcing has this. I wanted Joe DiMaggio there, too. Ted Williams maybe had the longest. Yeah, Joe DiMaggio, 56-game hit streak. Was Ted Williams the longest healthy player or something like that, like most consecutive games played before somebody? I don't know. But, yeah, I wanted DiMaggio there. So here's this. Uh, This is from Awful Announcing. Uh, When you're a big media company that positions itself as something of a watchdog website, there are a few simple rules your social media people should follow. One of those rules, perhaps, first on the list of internet rules, is don't make rape jokes. Don't make rape jokes. Um, did the NHL do that? No. Vice uh, Sports did. Oh, okay. Uh, and they're the, you know, watchdog. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Vice does good stuff, typically. Let's see if he says the, what the joke. While you're looking, longest yeah. consecutive point scoring streak is Gretzky with 51 games. Okay. So he's a little behind that. It's going, to take away, it's going to take a bit to get to uh, 51. He's at 19. Uh, the post was created Thursday afternoon by someone who has read, uh, probably had uh, the keys to the Facebook account for Vice Sports. She said no, quote unquote, to pressing charges would perhaps be a clever pun if it wasn't, again, about rape or sexual assault. Um... The fact that the article references the news that Kane will not 
face charges for rape in part because his accuser will no longer cooperate, which I think is a little misleading. Um, makes the reference ever more that distasteful. Uh, Vice Sports apologized. I just wanted to bring this up because, and I'm going to make this real short, and don't let me get myself in trouble here, Don. Uh-oh. We've been really kind of... Almost dodging this. <laughs> we've been dodging this to a point. I kind of feel like Patrick Kane might have got railroaded a little bit this summer. Yeah, I don't know. And I don't have all the facts. Uh, I do know that the facts that the district attorney had, which I believe were all the facts, I I, I feel confident that the district attorney had all the facts. I, do. I admit that I don't. I know you don't. I feel like he did. Uh, some of those facts have been released to us, like the fact that Pat Kane's DNA was not in the rape kit. Right. Um, I don't want to go much further with it than that. I feel like maybe he got railroaded. We'll never know. Right. I do but, feel at the very least, if if nothing's going to go forward, and this is going to be hard for him to overcome because of who he is and maybe who he was, but, I mean, it has to kind of go away, I think. I mean, yeah, that was going to be kind of my larger point. It's going to be tough, probably, to talk about him. Like this should be a really exciting thing for American hockey, and I think it has been. Right. You know, that's I think my my big point, and the reason I brought it in is because whatever happened this summer, Patrick Kane has apparently used that as a way to focus on what happens between the red lines out there or whatever. And he's the best player in the world right now. I mean, he leads the league in in the categories you want to lead the league. And he's leading his team. And he's being a good citizen again. And all last year, we talked. The narrative on the show all last year was the maturation of Patrick Kane, right? Sure. We talked about it over and over again. And then this summer happened. And based on nothing but the evidence that's been presented to me, which I know is not all of it, I feel like maybe... He got railroaded a little bit. And I don't say that to discourage victims from coming forward or anything like that at all. Um, I just feel, based on the evidence they've presented me, things like him, his DNA not being in the rape kit, um, and the whole bizarre staging of the fake evidence thing by the girl's mother, and, you know, the DA. In that article, the DA didn't decide not to press charges because the girl didn't cooperate. I mean, they had pretty much the right. It, it was more, uh, okay, I'm going to quit because you're going to fire me anyway kind of a thing. You know, it was clear they weren't going to press charges. And all of a sudden she said, well, I'm not cooperating anyway. <laughs> and by the way, still to this point, she hasn't brought a civil suit forward, uh, which is a less burden of guilt to prove. I didn't want to even go this far into it with the case itself, but my point is, and that's a good good place to start, is that maybe the rebuilding of the Patrick Kane image has started already, and I'm glad for him in a way, and I'm glad for him because I believe that maybe he didn't do it. Right. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to hear his name this year and not think of that. People are going to make their jokes, right? Vice Sports apparently took the first shot. Yeah, that's... He probably hears it in any, every building he goes in. Right, yep. And uh, it's it's a big part of uh, of the narrative of his season. But 
He's killing it out there. I think the tough thing is people like closure with everything, and they're probably never going to get closure with this. As far as I mean, the case is going to go away, but you're never going to have the girl come out and say, "Yeah, it never happened." I, I, whatever. Yeah, I think the closure people are going to have to accept is that the elect- legally the right. elected official in this area of the country very very painstakingly reviewed the evidence. I mean, they didn't make a brass decision here. This dragged right. out no, over yeah, a sure. period of months and determined that there wasn't any evidence to proceed proceed forward even with presenting a case to a grand jury, which usually is a very low uh burden of proof as well to present it to a grand jury. But I didn't want it to be about that as much as I wanted to say that Patrick Kane has taken the events of the summer and it seems like he's that can, when Yeah, I've like, heard him literally say nothing. So I mean I think he's doing the right thing. He's keeping his head down, he's playing. He's laying hockey. low and he's just playing the best hockey he's ever played in his life. Right. And uh, I'm glad for him for that. So I hope I didn't say anything that makes me a bad guy. <laughs> I certainly didn't mean to. Right. All right. That means we are done talking for now. And that means that for the first time we're gonna take a break and we'll come back with Joe Buck. Combine his career, regular and postseason, he's 23 of 25. Hartley sends the Saints to the Super Bowl. Brings it to the center. We will see you tomorrow night. All right, our next guest is from St. Louis, Missouri, and he studied at Indiana before turning pro in sports broadcasting, and in 1995, he was hired by Fox Sports, where he's called the World Series since 1996 and has done four Super Bowls. His new show, Undeniable, appears on DirecTV's Audience Network, and he's making his first appearance on the podcast today, a warm sportscaster's welcome to Joe Buck. How's it going today, Mr. Buck? I'm good, Steve. How are you? Yeah, this is uh, this is all built from the from the World Series to the Super Bowls to undeniable to this with you right now at this moment. This is uh, this is where I've gotten myself. So it's a pleasure being on with you. Yeah, it's a it's a pleasure to have you. You know, oftentimes uh, since it's my show, I have some selfish things that I like to talk about or discuss or do and i've been a lifelong well, i think that's your that's your prerogative yeah, i mean yeah. when you have your own show you can do whatever the hell you want to do right especially when you're talking to joe buck i mean how many times are you gonna talk sure. to joe buck and uh you know as a lifelong saints fan growing up in buffalo it hasn't been the easiest path but it's been one that i've uh treaded uh with uh nobility and honor and um i have my list of people that i'd like to talk to who have called the greatest moments that I've witnessed as a Saints fan, and of course, you uh, called the NFC Championship game um, in 2010. I guess it was by then. And, yeah, um, yeah, and that was a, uh, a strange winter for me because I have struggled with Crohn's disease since 2003, and that was one winter where I'd had to have a surgery, and I was kind of down and out, and the whole time 
Uh, my mom would come, my mom came and watched all the playoff games with me, basically to serve as sort of an anchor to my to my body to make sure um, that I would not ruin anything that was uh, newly stapled or attached. Um, oh my god! Yes, and uh, I did well until the Tracy Porter interception. Uh, but that's Nance, who's also on the list. Uh, but what do you remember? Because I just have to know about. Uh, that field goal and that NFC championship game and that day in new Orleans and what, and what that was like for you. That was really one of the most fun, uh, NFC champ games that I've been able to do, to be honest with you. Um, I've done a bunch of them and you know, everyone is, is special and unique, uh, for its own reasons. But that was one where, uh, God, I've never even gone into this story, but at least with regard to the game, the game was fantastic. And you play the highlight of the Hartley, Right, kick to send the Saints to the Super Bowl, and rarely do you get kind of that walk-off moment in an NFL game. You get it, you know, more times than not in baseball. Um, you're lucky to get it if you get it at all in the postseason when one base hit or one home run or one strikeout ends the whole thing. Uh, but in football, if you're going to get a walk-off moment, probably going to get it from a kicker. And so there we were getting that. Uh, from Hartley, and and those are moments where you know everybody's holding their breath, whether it's you as a fan uh, recuperating or it's me in the booth, you know, just hoping to get the call right and and just making sure that everything is laid out in front of me and and I'm I've got it square in my head with regard to which way I'm going to go with the call and you know try to make the call. They're at home, so the place is going to go nuts, and you can just kind of give the call and get out of the way and let mayhem ensue. But right, and you so did the, great. I just wanted to interject. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, you set it up perfectly, too, mentioning how Hartley had missed just a few weeks ago from almost an identical spot um, against Tampa Bay. You guys, I didn't play, I didn't go back that far in the clip, but you guys had just set up perfectly. I think the one thing that was making me and Coach Payton and anyone else nervous in the Superdome, everyone probably that day, was that Garrett Hartley had just missed um, against Tampa Bay in the regular season, uh, which would have clinched home field. Uh, the Bucks lost later that night to Carolina and clinched anyway. Uh, but, yeah, you had set that up perfectly, so go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, you know, they, so now you get the snap, you get the good hold, you get the kick, and then you're kind of my eyes go back and forth between watching the live action from the booth and watching the TV monitor in front of me. You know, I like to watch the monitor to see if the ball's online. And then my eyes shift back to watching the live action, not on TV, but on the field to see if he's got the length on the kick. Because sometimes on TV that can be deceiving and, you know, that was no chip shot. So, uh, you know, you make the call. Now, this is complete name dropping, okay? I'm, I'm admitting this right now, All right. but it's, it's part, pertinent to the story. Uh, Bill Vinovich, this is not, it's not the name dropping part, uh, who is now back on the field as an NFL referee, had some health issues. And so before we had Mike Pereira traveling to the games to be with us in case there are any rules issues where he's in the booth in the postseason in a game like that, we had Bill Vinovich, uh, in our booth. And I said, Hey, Bill, during the course of the game, I've got a friend coming to the game and she's probably going to sit back here by you. I'm just warning you. So, you know, carve out a little space. He's like, yeah, no problem. Well, the friend was Kate Hudson and I've just become really good friends with her over the years. That's a complete name drop. I'm guilty. I get it. 
But at the end of the game, I walk back and Vinovich grabs me by the shoulder and he goes, he told me he had a friend coming. He didn't tell me it was going to be Kate Hudson. And I said, hey, you gotta, you're living the network life now, man, and kind of kidding around with him. And then after that, you know, you're in New Orleans. They just stamped their ticket to the Super Bowl. If you want to be in any city where the hometown crowd is going nuts and you can go out and have fun, we all went out after that game, hung out at the hotel. Uh, Fox had a big party. The pregame show guys were there. That was one of the most fun nights after a game that I think I've had in my career. And it was because we were in New Orleans. Right. I had uh, I had Kate there, and, and we just had a ball hanging out after that game. That That's a night that I won't forget. Yeah, there was a lot of celebrities that day. I think uh, Brad Pitt was there, and Spike Lee was there. And, uh... and of course, uh, uh, Kenny Chesney, I'm sure, was there because yeah. he's friends with, with Coach Payton. So, you know, that that's kind of, that's really how I met Kate. And it's it's a way into a lot of the, acting and singing celebrities is they're all sports fans. Everybody's from somewhere and everybody's got a team or got a player and they all kind of want to be around it. So, uh, it's, it's kind of one of the fringe benefits that isn't talked a, a lot about, uh, from people like me, but it's definitely there. Yeah. And you talked about not getting walk-off moments very often in football. And we just talked about one. Another one that came to mind as soon as you were saying that was the Sherman play in the end zone in Seattle. And can you kind of talk about the mechanics of making a call on a play like that where obviously it's a, there's a lot more going on than a field goal? Yeah, you know, that's, that's another one where everything's coming down to one moment, and I, I think it's easy to forget how close San Francisco was to winning that game. And that's really when the world became aware of Richard Sherman. Now, we, we had been in production meetings with the Seahawks on Friday before that Sunday game, and we were just talking. Sherman was one of the guys we were talking with, and they're informal talks. There's no cameras. We're just getting a feel. You know, we do it with coaches, a couple of players, just getting a feel for what they're thinking about going into that game. And either I brought up or Troy brought up uh, Crabtree and the receivers for the 49ers, and uh, Sherman almost came out of his seat talking about how average Crabtree was. He's no good. We're going to dominate them. And he went on and on and on. And he got up and left after a while. And he's a great guy to talk with and, and incredibly smart. But we looked at each other like, man, I we just had never heard anybody kind of call a guy out in a production meeting. And then it so happens the game comes down to him making a play on Crabtree and Aaron goes out to interview him, <laughs> yeah. and he goes off again. He told and, the world, you know. I, I yeah. think had a had a point to the whole thing, and was was probably blocked and loaded for that, uh, which he went off. And then, as as that's going on, I hear our producer in my ear telling Aaron in her ear, "Get it back to Joe. Get it back to Joe." Because I think Richie, our, our producer, was scared that it was going to get into profanity. I, I will tell you that. It was not. I, I would bet everything I have. I think Richard Sherman's such a smart guy that, that he knew what was going on, knew what he was doing, was not going to slip into profanity. But uh, that that was one of the most intense moments in the game. And then, you know, like I said to anybody who had issue with anything Sherman said or him going off afterward, hey, if you're on their field and you're down in, in their place of business and where they make their living, you got to live with what you get when when you put a microphone in front of their face. It's intense down there, and 
that was one clear example of that. You know, if you're going to ne- interview them down there seconds after, be ready for whatever it is they're going to say. And, uh, and he certainly made his mark that night both ways. Well, you know, and it's an interesting thing, too, because it came up this weekend. And I'll get your take on it since it's topical. You know, at Ohio State with, uh, with the running back there. And we kill athletes all the time uh, for just being so boring and tight and cliched. And we almost never have athletes on this show because that's my perception of athletes, that they're boring and cliched and that I can't, I'm not talented enough to get anything out of them. And then when they have those moments of clarity and honesty and they let us see the emotion, they also get killed. And it's a really fine line. Do you have a preference uh, between what kind of athlete you want talking to you? Do you like the – of course, when you're preparing for a broadcast, you want the candor as much as you can get. But when we put the microphone in front of these guys' faces uh, for everyone to see – uh, it's almost damned if they do, damned if they don't. What do you think about? Uh, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more. You're right. Um, we've gotten to the point now where nobody can say anything that's outside the norm, that's outside the midline, and it's sad, you know, because, like you say, th- these are times where I think any athlete, if they're going to be brutally honest they're going to step into uh, one snake nest after another, whether it's on Twitter, if you care about that, um, or it's on the talk shows that go on all day, be it on ESPN or Fox Sports 1 or, you know, NFL Network, whatever it is. If you say anything that has any wit to it or anything out of the, hey, I'm going to help my team one day at a time and, and all that garbage that these guys spew out, then, you know, now now you're be ready to get picked on and have to defend yourself for something where you're just having fun. You know, the J.J. Watt, that that upset Andy Dalton would would really frighten me now that I think about it as a Cincinnati Bengal fan. I mean, who cares? Who cares what J.J. Watt said after the game? You lost. And, and you know, Red Rifle, Red Rider, BB Gun, whatever. It was cute, and it's not that big of a deal. But, but that that upset him is strange to me who cares and and it's the same it's what you're talking about you know when we get these guys behind closed doors and they know there's no camera or microphone in there they're honest they tell you what they think they'll tell you aaron Rodgers is one of the most honest guys we talk to they'll tell you exactly what they want to do and exactly how they're trying to beat a team every time we meet with him before a big game he's not worried about it but once the cameras start rolling it's the same thing i have to be it's the same thing you know, uh, I, I think a political candidate has to be. They're all polished to the point where nobody's themselves. And and that, that's a sad state of affairs to me. So, you know, you're right. If it's Ezekiel Elliott of, of Ohio State, you know, blowing off steam and saying how he feels, well, good luck over the next couple of weeks. But here's the other thing that people don't realize, I, I believe. If you're Ezekiel Elliott or J.J. Watt, yeah, it's it's a it's a situation and it's uh, it's uh, an issue for a day or two, and then the next thing comes up and your thing is forgotten about. Nobody really cares, but for the forty eight hours you have to deal with it, and it drives these guys nuts. So it it makes everybody boring, and nobody can be themselves, and 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 that's that's too bad. 
Yeah, and I think to prove your point that it does blow over, I think uh, Rich Eisen is on the record saying he will uh, wear an Ohio State hat at the draft if uh, on TV if if this hurts his draft stock because that was kind of <laughs> that was, well. That was kind I, of the I buzz. agree. I yeah. mean, no, you know, after a while, right. nobody really cares. And, and and I think there's a there's a quality if you're an NFL uh, talent scout, there's maybe a, a piece of of that that you would really like in a running back, especially um, that energy and that kind of fire. Uh, I wanted to yeah, ask I agree. You, yeah, I wanted to ask you, because uh, we talked to uh, Mike Trico. I don't know if that's a name drop on my end, but we do uh, talk to him uh, usually once a year, and I always like to ask him about the dynamics in his booth. And he's been in a steady one finally for a while, and of course you've been in a, a steady one for quite a few years now as well, much longer than him even. And uh, he always talks about uh, tr- uh, Gruden being kind of the coach of the booth, and, and, and that was his role as a coach as we know him. Uh, outside of broadcasting in the game, and, and now he, he's translated that um, to broadcasting. What is it like working uh, with Aikman, and kind of what is his role um, as someone who is a quarterback, uh, not a coach? Yeah, no, I, I, it's, a, it's a great question, and Mike is, uh, I just finished writing a book, and Mike, uh, I talk about it in the book, I think of all the guys out there, I think Mike's the best. I think you could give him any event, and he would be well studied and bring something to it that most guys wouldn't, even if it wasn't a sport that, that he was as familiar with as somebody else. I, I think he's terrific. And you can kind of get that sense with Gruden and with him when you watch their games. So uh, I've heard him say that before. Ours is a little bit different. Troy and I, we've been together since 2002. Um, I would consider him probably one of my three closest friends in the world. Uh, I think the same is true for him with regard to me. And I would say that I'm kind of the, the coach or the captain when it comes to the broadcast side of it and where we're going to go with the broadcast and, and maybe how he should shape something. If we're in our on camera or uh, if he's doing something for the pregame show, he'll ask me how I would say it if I was him. Um, and that's, that's my side of it. But he is, he's the football side coach, and, you know, we take our cue from him. He's the one that runs the meeting when we meet with these coaches and players off air. He's the one that, uh, that really determines what our weekends look like and when he's going to study the film, which he does really all of Saturday. Um, he determines who we want to talk to, and, uh, and it's a good mix. You know, we, uh, we both kind of pull our share and, uh, and and fulfill that role for the other guy. I'm I'm the lifelong broadcaster. He's the lifelong football player, and I think it's a good match that way. The best part about it, though, is we are legitimately really good friends, and that makes the weekend fun. I think it makes the on-air product better when the people really do get along that well and they trust the other person. Uh, and I do with Troy, and I know Troy trusts me. So that's what makes it. I think pretty unique because that's they're not all broadcast booths are like that. We're just lucky in that sense. Yeah, and I'm sure you had a very similar chemistry on the baseball side with Tim McCarver, and of course now you just finished your second World Series with Tom Verducci <clears throat> and Harold Reynolds. How do you think, as we've just finished the second one? Maybe that was a tra- strange transition. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But we just finished the second World Series with you guys. It's a, it's a three-man booth, not a two-man booth. Uh, the two new voices in there. How did you feel after this World Series compared to how maybe you felt after the first one about how things have come together um, and, and about the team in general? 
Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I really love it. Um, you're right about Tim and me. The difference is Tim is, is kind of a, a half or a full generation older than me. So we had a great time. I mean, we were together for 18 years, did a lot of great moments together, never had one crossword, um, always got along. I knew him from when I was a little kid and he was in St. Louis and playing for the Cardinals. And I was, I was a little chubby bat boy kid or the announcer's kid running around. And so I've known him my whole life and I really look up to him, uh, for a lot of different reasons, but, uh, it changed, you know, you're right. It go it, the dynamics on the air change when you go from one partner to two partners in a three man booth. Um, everybody's kind of fighting for their airtime. What I think Tim and I were really good at doing, and I think Troy and I have, have gotten really good at doing, is just kind of letting the crowd carry it. And I, I love in football being quiet and listening to Aaron Rodgers give the cadence at the line of scrimmage or hearing that natural sound down on the field. And the only way you can hear that is if you don't talk over it in the booth. Um, and so that's the hard thing. I love working with Harold and Tom, and it's very different than working with Tim. Uh, and, and it's been a nice change, but... Tim and I were really good in the big moments, I thought, of just kind of taking your hands off the handlebars and letting it go. And I could look at him, and it was like, okay, we're going to be quiet here and just let the crowd carry it. It's harder to do with two guys right. to your right. It's harder to do when one guy's analyzing and the other guy's talking to the truck about what he wants to analyze next. And then it's hard for people to listen to one another. So. That's always the fight with a three-man booth. That said, I love it, and I love the guys, and we get along great. Uh, it's younger, and, and it's, a, it's a lot of fun. It's just different than it was with Tim. I, I don't prefer one over the other, uh, but it's just different, and, and I think we got much better year two, and uh, I'm sure we'll get better as the years go on. That's, that's just the way this business works. You have to get reps just like a player would. Uh, just a couple of follow-ups on that, and then I want to talk about the new show, and then I'll let you go. Um, sure. The, uh, you talked about kind of fighting for airtime, and I don't think you mean you guys are tossing elbows in the booth, but what did you think about, okay, we got three guys, and then also this year, during the games, we're going to integrate Alex Rodriguez at the top of an inning for a few questions or an at-bat. Did you think that was smooth? Did you like how that went, that experiment? Would you want to do that again? Would you rather pull back from that? Uh, how did you, you know, think? I liked it. You I did. liked it. I, uh, I like getting guys that just face these pitchers on the air now. I, I think that's a, that's a great uh, element that you can bring. You know, that's something that even, you know, Harold's a two-time All-Star and played for a long time and played with Kirby, played with A-Rod. Uh, but that said, I, I think, you know, you, you, you get something out of somebody being on the air that can say, well, three weeks ago, I just faced pitcher X. I just faced, uh, you know, whoever, Wade Davis. And here's what makes Wade Davis hard when you're standing in that batter's box. And then it's got to be somebody that can, that can put their thoughts together. I, it's hard to do. You know, he's sitting out in the outfield. Right. And so he's not only is it now a four man booth in essence, but one of them's not anywhere near yet. So that that's hard, especially for a guy who's a player and not a broadcaster. I thought he did great. And I, I would, I like that. Um, so I'd like to do a little bit more of that, but again, it's hard, you know, when you've got that many voices that want to be heard, 
it's going to take away from somebody and and uh everybody's trying to earn their paycheck and show what they know and uh it, it puts a little strain on the broadcast but I, I don't think that should steer you away from getting somebody on the air that just uh that just face these guys yeah honestly i was surprised how much i liked a rod overall um yeah, I, I thought he. I thought he was yeah. the best guy we had on our pregame show. Yeah, and, was... uh, and that's saying a lot. You know, it's not easy. We've had guys in the past that show up and they they pull out of the closet a great suit, and you know they just they just play it so they're going to yuck it up. And I can tell you, Alex is a perfectionist and was texting me and asking me my thoughts and uh, trying to get guidance as far as the broadcasting was concerned. And uh, he really worked at it, and and that uh, that was appreciated by us because you know this is how we make our living and it wasn't somebody just showing up going oh well whatever i'll just say whatever i want he really wanted to be good and i thought that showed yeah i was yeah i was i was really surprised how much i liked it uh the sportscasts are here with joe buck a few minutes left of course he's at buck on twitter he was there then he's gone now he's back it's glad to have him back on there <laughs> be, be nice to him uh i want to talk about the new show in the last few minutes because I just watched the other night the first episode with Derek Jeter, and I've been a long uh, Derek Jeter fan, not as much because I'm a Yankees fan or anything like that, just because I've always been a fan of uh, the way Derek Jeter has been Derek Jeter for all these years, and I think you kind of know what I mean by that. And um, uh, as you mentioned many times in the interview, just kind of this flair for the dramatic. And I want to tell you what I was thinking of when I was watching this. that was making me really happy and see what you think. I'm a big Stern guy, a big Howard Stern fan, and of course the evolution of the Howard Stern show has been uh, from shock jock to suddenly in the last few years, this guy who does these incredible long-form interviews uh, with celebrities that you're used to hearing in the more six to seven minute type Fallon late night interviews. Uh, or if it's a little bit longer, it's maybe in print in a magazine. Stern has sort of mastered these hour to an hour and a half long interviews where he gets to just go to places with these people that uh, we're not used to. And the problem is, for sports fans, he doesn't know anything about sports, so rarely is it athletes. And this show, through one episode, has sort of felt like the sports version of that. It's Joe Buck sitting with a guy that we ne- normally never get to hear talk for this long and really just kind of going through it. Uh, Jeter, the interview was sort of set up chronologically. You started growing up with the contract stuff and you ended with uh, the blast hit at Yankee Stadium and the post-baseball stuff. It was sort of this nice chronological thing and you really got to dig deep on it. And that's what I'm really hoping to see more and more as the episodes go on. What do you think about that comparison uh, to this kind of being the Stern-like interviews of 2015 for sports? Well, uh, I'm sitting in my car, and my number one uh, memory channel on my car stereo is Stern, and it's for that reason. Um, you know, sometimes I can take or leave uh, the whack pack stuff, but when he's talking to uh, John Mellencamp or he's talking to... Paul McCartney, or he's talking, and it's not just music guys, talking to Bradley Cooper, talking to, uh, I, I just, I don't want to get out of the car. Right. And that, that's, uh, I think, radio brilliance. And so uh, it's a huge compliment, as far as I'm concerned, that you would say that. It's exactly why we're doing the show, not just the stern part of it and trying to 
trying to emulate that. But what you said, which was, look, we're going to have Jerry Jones on the show. The next one's Abby Wambach. And I will tell you, you know, I don't know when, when this show is going to air, but Abby Wambach is, I think, the best one we did of the first 13. Either Abby or Michael Phelps. And, and they're very different. But I think every youth athlete should watch the Abby Wambach one to, to, to kind of mirror what, what she did in her career and how she, how she failed and then used failure to, to spur her on. And I, she's fantastic. I didn't expect that. I didn't know her before she showed up that day. And uh, she left, and I was like, that's somebody that I, I want my daughters to watch that interview. Um, that's how good she was, but that's exactly why we did it. Vince Vaughn is a co-producer with me, Peter Billingsley. They brought it to me. We brought it to direct TV and the sales pitch was, this is going to be like inside the actor studio. This is going to be, it's not going to be Jerry Jones showing up talking about Greg Hardy and a broken collarbone for Tony Romo. It's going to be, what was it like to be a child, Jerry Jones? And what, how did you, become who you are and what what was it like when you pushed all your chips to the middle of the table and said i'm buying the cowboys and i'm broke um and and what was they're not there promoting anything they're trying to let us in on how flawed they are how scared they were how they overcame something difficult and that's what we do really with all of them it's kind of beginning middle end that's what vince vaughn just pounds into my head all the time everybody's got a narrative and this journey that he's always talking about, and it's true. You know, they're not all like they're written by Shakespeare, but everybody's got a story, and these these are really compelling athletes that have all stumbled. Gretzky's great. Uh, Torrey's great. Aikman. All of them at some point cried sitting there. Even Jeter a little bit when we showed the clip from Fenway Park when they were chanting his name, I, yeah, that choked him up. Cause I don't, I don't think he had seen it before, uh, but everybody shed tears on that stage. And, uh, it's because they, they were ready to talk and they're ready to not be on a two minute clip on, uh, the NFL network. They want to, they want to tell you who they are. And, uh, it, it's the same for me, Steve, to be honest with you, you know, people think they know me. People think because I call, a bunch of World Series and Super Bowls. Well, I know who that guy is. He had a famous dad. He's he's uh, he got into the business because of that, and he's you know some. I think I'm better than you guy or a pompous guy. I'm I'm the opposite of that, and and it's fun to kind of reveal some of that along with the athlete sitting in the other chair. So it's it serves that purpose for me as well. And, yeah, and you uh, had fun with and Jeter. That's been the fun of it. Yeah, you had you could see that you were having fun with Jeter, you know, especially when you guys were doing the silly bit at the end uh, with the questions, and you kind of went at him a little bit, and he took it really well, and kind of came back. And I don't know, you guys are having fun. It made me have fun. Um, we're well, pretty, I appreciate that. We're pretty Thank much you. out that, of time. That that's the whole point of it, though. You know, I mean, it's it's we're not talking about life and death. Sometimes we are. You know, when when you watch Michael Phelps, right. Talking about how close he came to suicide, all the stuff that's now been written, he sat out there on that stage and talked about openly, and you see him physically react to this. It's really dark, really compelling, and and really uh, fascinating to watch somebody like that uh, explain all that. Yeah, and if you go to the uh, website, uh, there's a few clips, um, stuff that didn't air on the show, and also some previous stuff, and one of them, you'll see that 
they show a few of the athletes as they're being introduced by Joe, kind of standing in the in the entryway. And man, you can kind of feel the tension on Phelps when you just get that brief look. I thought, um, and you could tell that he looked like a guy who was maybe ready to go out there and bear himself a little bit. But he did. I, I saw him in his dressing room before he went out there, and I've known him a little bit, and I can tell you he's like a different human being than when I first met him. I mean, he's been through a lot. He's been through rehab. He is clean. I believe he's clean. He's like a different he's like a different person. And I went in there and I said, Hey, thanks for coming. He said, absolutely. I said, you know, I'm going to go into all the stuff. I'm going to go into the bong picture. I'm going to go into the DUIs. I said, I hope that's okay with you. And he said, you can go anywhere you want to go. And, uh, it, it might be really interesting what you get out of me here tonight. And then he went out there and just laid it all out. So it's, uh, it's worth a watch. Well, listen, the show is called undeniable and it airs on the audience network on direct TV, which I believe is channel one Oh one. Uh, and uh, you can find out more about that on the Audience uh, Network website uh, via the DirecTV website. Uh, you can also follow Joe on Twitter. He's at Buck. And he has a book coming out. And we have a book club here, Joe. And I hope that you'll give us a chance to promote that book. you give me a chance to read it. And maybe next time, instead of talking about football and the booths and all that, uh, we can talk a little bit more about Joe Buck. Because I'd like to know more about you uh, then, oh, well, wait. Then... All you got to do, man, just just wait, Steve. When you uh, and, and I'm not overhyping anything. There's a section in there that will have people talking, and uh, I'll be happy to come back on. Thank you so much for all the time today. I really appreciate it, and I uh, had fun. He's at Buck on Twitter again. Be nice to him. He doesn't hate your team. Um, <laughs> and, Thank uh, you. All right. I'll talk I, to you I enjoyed it, man. You yeah. do well, and thanks for having me on. All right, I want to thank Joe Buck for being on the podcast. It's always great to get one like that, you know, just a big one. Get a big one in. Yeah. Book club, real quick, uh, two things. Take your eye off the puck. How to watch hockey by knowing where to look by the puck daddy, Greg Wyshynski. Last week's episode, season 537, we did an interview uh, with Greg, and we talked all about the book. It's an awesome read. It's cheap. It's a great stocking stuffer type Christmas present. Sure, yeah. Uh, high recommendations from the sportscasters uh, for our friend Greg's book. The other thing, Terrorizing Telemarketers, Volume 6, uh, Jim Florentine and Don Jameson. It's available digitally December 4th. It'll be available in CD at the gigs, including a That Metal Show gig in Rochester. Last week, we mistakenly said that it was... January 3rd. It's actually January 2nd, the show. Oh, okay. So just to clarify that, uh, January 2nd. Uh, and also, last week, or the last podcast, uh, Jim Florentine was on to talk about this. And next week, uh, the week it comes out, Don Jameson will make his Sportscaster's debut uh, to talk about uh, it as well. Uh, so two things. Take your eye off the puck. How to Watch Hockey by Knowing Where to Look by Greg Wyshynski. That's a book. And Terrorizing Telemarketers Volume 6 by Jim Florentine and Don Jameson. Not yet released, but will be December 4th. And we'll talk more about that with Don Jameson uh, next week. So that's where we're at with the book club. And we're going to take a break now and come back uh, with Dan Levy.
All right, we first met our next guest when he was the host of one of the greatest sports podcasts of all time on the DL. He went on to turn Bleacher Report into a website with slideshows into something with real content. And today he joins us to talk about his new project, The Comeback. A warm sportscaster's welcome to Dan Levy. How you doing today, Dan? Good. Look at that. You even got a soundtrack for us and everything. I, I, we went with LL Cool J on the first Don't Call oh, It. Oh, Don't Call It a Comeback. Yeah. That was the first post that we had, but I like yours. That was good. Yeah, I love this song. So, so sweet. Such a nice sentiment. But I'm a, yeah, I'm a Pearl Jam junkie, so. How you doing, buddy? I'm very tired. You are catching me on uh, on day two of a very collaborative joint effort. The one thing I will mention at the top is this is not my project. This is Ben Koo from Awful Announcing, Matt Yoder from Awful Announcing. Um, when the Bleacher Report thing, let's be honest, fell on my face, uh, they were kind enough to envelop me and bring me into the Awful Announcing fold. I got a chance to write about sports media again, which I hadn't done in some time. Uh, and then when the radio show uh, was stripped away, I was thinking, I need something to do. And Ben and Matt and a couple other guys at Awful Announcing said, well, guess what? We have something. Uh, we're going to start an all-sports and pop culture website, and we want you to be a part of it. And it's been many months in the making. We are happy and very tired that it is uh, finally alive and people can see it. Yeah, we had a chance to talk to Matt a few weeks ago. He was on the show. Um me and Matt, had, we, we uh, were both big Saints fans, and we're realizing now that we talk specifically, apparently, to ruin their seasons. <laughs> uh, because we talked right after the Giants game when they were 4-4, four and four and we were uh, uh, sticking our chests out and all proud. So that's, about, I guess, a month ago now. And um, we got to talk about it a little bit, but obviously there was nothing for me to look at. And, and now two days in... Um, I've had a chance to look through, but I think what I wanted to ask you is, you know, maybe give people, uh, I think this is a good way to give people an idea of what a sports site called the comeback might be. If I had to write about what is the comeback, what would the thesis be? That's a good question. Uh, the, the sort of elevator pitch that we gave people when we were hiring staffers and writers and whatnot, um, it's it's a sports website that isn't going to turn its nose up at people. Ben has been very clear that he wants people of all interests, all walks of life. He he said he wants everything from hipsters to people who aren't ashamed to go to a Dave Matthews concert and, and everywhere in between uh, to, to come and visit and see something that they like. I and mean, we're going to cover every sport. We are not going to hide from some of the niche sports. We're going to try and find sort of off the beaten track stories and articles um and and it's going to be a place where look let's be honest there are a lot of blogs that grew into something bigger a lot of us who started blogs or who started podcasts got hired by major media companies and along the way a lot of it sort of lost the plot it became about making money it became about you know trying to sustain a living And, and thankfully you know ben has people who help him figure that out the rest of us can focus on just trying to put out good work and we hope as many people do, that the good work that we put out is well received, and people come and you know click back and share it with their friends, and we can all make a living out of it. Yeah, I think Dan made a, a comparison to 
or you're Dan. Uh, Matt made a comparison to uh, for the win by USA Today, but maybe a hot, a little bit more, a little bit more than that, like a little bit more. Those are a little bit thinner, maybe a little bit more content based version of that in a way. Yeah, I, I don't want to denigrate anybody else. I think I think the I, issue... I don't think he meant it like that. Maybe I made it seem like an integration. I think he just meant it as like, you know, if they wanted to go for I, I don't know. Go ahead. Sure. No. Yeah. And, and by the way, I don't know if you can hear this, but I am actually getting another call, which okay. I don't. No, 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 no. I don't need to take it. Oh, but I don't even use Skype anymore except for interviews. <laughs> and someone just called me. That's the weirdest thing ever. I should have like put them on three way and we could have added them. That would have been fun. Yeah. <clears throat> it depends who it is. You know, it could have been like, true. Yeah. <laughs> very weird. 618 number. I have no idea what that even is, but I looked that up. Nonetheless, uh, to answer your question, I, I, I've been nervous about sort of comparing us to other sites because we all know what we are. Right. You know, when we, when we conceptualized this, we made comparisons to sites like For the Win, obviously Deadspin, uh, Big Lead, some of those sort of linear posting websites that are, that are of that not the size of Bleacher Report, not as robust as an SB Nation, certainly not ESPN, um, but something that you can find really good quality work, which some of those I named, some of those that are in that same level may not have the same style that we're looking for. We are not going to have a, a link dump with a scantily clad woman. That will not happen. The women on our site are going to be our writers, and we're going to respect the fact that they are probably more talented than any of the other people that we've hired. Uh, and so that's the kind of – we're trying to take the professionalism that they have at Awful Announcing and just spin that to all sports. And that means working with the different uh, news organizations, the different outlets. You know, again, I don't, I don't want to turn this into a this, – we're going to do it better than them because I don't know if we will. I honestly don't know if we're going to do it better than anybody else. We're going to do it differently. We're going to do it our way. And, and there are some really legit writers like myself who are out of work. I'm not calling myself legit. I'm calling myself out of work. I'll call you legit. Well, that, I appreciate that, but you know yeah. that wasn't. I, I mis- no, I know what fire. you mean. No, I know what you meant. Yeah, and and we're bringing some of them in, and you know this is a startup, and we're trying to add as much talent as possible. You know, being respectful of of you know finances and making sure we can afford to to survive. And Ben's done again a good job with all that. But we're allowing people to write. We're allowing people to be who they are. I had somebody write the other day who's written for Bleacher Report, who's written for some of these other sites, and say, "Wow, I haven't done anything like that in a while." And they sort of got out of practice of just like having personality because we have to fit into this model of what professional writing is. You don't. You can just be yourself and you can be really good at it. And hopefully we're allowing some of our writers uh, to, to sort of maybe push the envelope, to use a cliche, a little more than some of the other places are. And, and again, I hope that people read it. There are some articles that we put up in the first two days that I actually had to edit and now have an inferiority complex because there are people that we hired who are way better than me at writing. And I think I'm a pretty decent writer, way better than me. And it's really neat that I get to edit that stuff because I feel like I'm a part of it. You kind of giggled at the beginning when I said that I thought On the DL is one of the uh, best sports podcasts of all time. But honestly, I believe that. And I say it when you're on the show and when you're not on the show. Um, Thank you. And uh, I remember listening to it before we started this podcast and thinking wow you know maybe we shouldn't even bother because <laughs> because we can't i'm not talented enough to get to that um and, and then you know i talked i talked about and maybe this is more of an opinion uh maybe it's even fact 
Uh, but Bleacher Report was nothing I had any interest in before you were a part of it. Um, and you, I know, were a huge part, if not the main part, of bringing in the head writer teams and some of the head writers and turning in that, that site into something that was readable. I wonder in this project, is there something you've done before or something you haven't done that you're really excited about having the opportunity to do here? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm, I'm editing more um, than I have had the chance to do in many years when, before. And you've, I've talked about this on your show, that before I wrote it, Bleach Report or Sporting News or other places that I've been, I worked in sports information. I worked in the Rutgers Athletic Rutgers, Department yeah. uh, for years, and I was able to uh, – I did graphic design. So I was able to design, but I also edited and did the layout for the game program. So we would have students in our office write the feature stories, and they're fluff pieces. They're you know promotional pieces for the players. They're not in, you know investigative journalism by any stretch, but I was able to edit those, and I was able to work with young writers to help them develop a voice. This is the first time since then, really, that I've had a chance to do that. Uh, some of our writers are, are very talented, but on the younger side, at least in terms of the industry, uh, and I've had the chance to work with them on ideas. Um, one of the great things that I'm able to do is I don't have to write every article, but I've been involved with a lot of the ideas on the feature story side, columns, features, and reaction pieces. Um, and, and that's been fun because just brainstorming with other talented writers and then helping some of the people, whether they be as established or more or less, with fitting into the voice that we're trying to, to say. I mean, I, I said before, you can have your wings and you can you know, write whatever you want. We're trying to develop a voice. I mean, we're not going to sound like some of those other sites. Uh, there are going to be some type of language, some other things that we may not want on our site. Um, so it's fun to sort of have the opportunity to help really established writers, really talented people fit their voice into what we're trying to do. So far, it's been a little bit of a challenge, I'll be honest. I mean, there have been some posts that we got that are amazing, uh, just amazing. And some posts that I think maybe it's not the greatest fit for us, and it's my it's my job to make it fit. And that's been very tiring, but, but at the same time, somewhat rewarding. Is that a really challenging thing to do two days in, to know what fits? No, um, because I think we have the backbone of awful announcing. Okay. So I think I think if you go off of what they've done and the voice that they've developed over the five years that they've been running it the way they have, um, I think that we can get to that sense. We're gonna we're gonna have a little bit more fun here because we're gonna be able to do pop culture and it's you know, sports media is very niche and it's very sort of insular. So this is gonna be you know the 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 post and other sites had this before us. So I actually saw it for the win uh, that Adele home song that the Southern University marching band did a cover of that in, in their Battle of the Bands this past weekend. Well, I saw it somewhere else last night. I was in charge of the site this morning. I thought, we haven't posted it yet. Let me get this up. But I was able to write it quoting all of her lyrics, essentially apologizing in, in, the, in the wording of how I wrote it up. I don't know if one person read it or they just clicked on the video or not, but those are the kind of fun things that I'm able to do now that I think at the previous places I worked, it would have gotten flagged by nine editors for being inappropriate or being you know, not on message. Our message is going to be, let's have a little bit of fun with it. And I, I hope people who, who have signed up to write for us will, will appreciate that. Yeah, and you mentioned sort of in the beginning about how you wanted to do some stuff with niche sports and you wanted to spread out a bit. And I'm sure pop culture is part of that idea of spreading out. 
How much of this do you want to cross over into the pop culture uh, side of things? Uh, to give an actual number, I, w- I would probably give it to be about 25%, give or take. I mean, it, some okay. days, yesterday we probably didn't do enough. Today we might have done too much. Um, it depends on what news comes out. We are going to do a ton of stuff on superheroes. One, it's near and dear to my heart, so I'm going to yeah, make sure I slide something. You live with the superheroes, so. Right. So, yeah, you may as well. When does this come out, by the way? When, when are you? When uh, we're going to post it today. All right, so then tomorrow, Wednesday, yeah, New Comic Wednesday for people who are listening, uh, my son uh, will be in Invincible Iron Man 4. Oh. If you if you have a chance, go to your local comic shop or go to Marvel's website and download it. Uh, it's a cool thing. It, it brings up Children's Hospital Philadelphia, uh, which I know I've talked about with you guys before. Yeah. Uh, so please, everyone, go check it out. And there's a little guy in there uh, that'll be my Twitter avatar because uh, he sort of looks like me, which is kind of a neat little thrill for me. That's great. Wow, that's really cool. Um, you want to plug that one more time? Make sure everyone's got all the details on that. It's Invincible Iron Man number four. Okay. Uh, it's their biggest title right now. Iron Man is a is a is obviously a huge deal yeah. for Marvel. So if you go to the Marvel website, if you download your comics at whatever app you use, uh, Iron Man will be one of the top titles coming out. And we're doing a thing at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia on Wednesday. Uh, it should be a nice thing for Max and uh, certainly a really cool thing. We'll, we'll have a write-up on our site as well at the comeback. Um on the actual comic and how the whole thing took place. So I, I don't want to give too much away, but right. uh, if you, if you come to our site tomorrow, you can hear the story of how uh, this whole thing took place. Wow. Awesome. That's awesome. Uh, we were, when you were talking, uh, when I was talking with Matt about this, one of the things that I could tell really excited him. And I think you were the one who kind of just sent out a tweet uh, mentioning this and kind of looking for people who might be interested and like 200 or 300 or something responses from people interested uh, to write for the site. Can you talk a little bit about what it was like uh, to get the response and then how you went about kind of narrowing that down? Like, Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit less than that in terms of um, how it all worked out. I, what, what had happened, Ben and Matt and, uh, and a few other people and I got together and talked about how we were going to put together a staff and and I took the lead on putting a list together of 50 people who I thought we could get. Um, not everyone. We didn't need everyone and I didn't think we'd get everyone, but you, know, you, you want to put together people who you like. And similar, you mentioned the Bleacher Report thing. For people who don't know, Bleacher Report called me however many years ago and said, we want you to be part of our lead writer program. And I said, the only way I'll do it is if you bring my friends with me because I don't want to do it by myself. And they said, give us your friends and help us recruit them. And that's what happened. And the lead writer program started because, you know, me and a few other guys got hired and then that got into an enormous yeah, snowball guys, rolling downhill. You guys downhill. killed it. You guys killed it. And then, and then they fired all of us. Which is ridiculous. And, and hired better, <clears throat> better people. Right. Um, I just happened to cough there. I swear. Right. Yeah, of course. Better. Right. The, um, the benefit of doing this with the guys at Awful Announcing was that, you know, they understood that that's what happened at Bleach Report, and they thought, well, maybe you can do it again for us in a different way. It's not so much my friends. I'm friends with a lot of these people and some of the people, I, I some of my favorite people in our industry, but we needed a, lo- a lot more people. We needed to be on a much larger scale. So I put together a list of 50 people, and then Ben wanted to put a tweet out to tease the site and just see if we would get any interest. So Awful Announcing, which has more Twitter followers than any of us will ever have combined, we put out one tweet. We were supposed to put it out three times that week. We put it out once, and we got 150 responses wow. asking if they could work. And, and I will be completely honest. 
We looked through every single one. Matt and I both vetted every single person, read their work samples, read their cover letters, everything that they submitted. We looked at, put it into a spreadsheet, had other people, Ian Castleberry, Joe Lucia, had, had them look through stuff and tried to come up with people that we thought would round out our good staff, both in terms of, frankly, if we could afford to pay them, because a lot of people were looking for full-time jobs we just didn't have available. Uh, and also if they fit a, a, a niche that we needed, if there was a hockey writer or a baseball writer, you know, what, what did we have covered and what do we need covered? And it, it's still going on. I mean, we're still bringing in people. So if you're interested out there, you know, shoot us an email. Uh, and we still get calls and emails all the time, especially now that we're live. It's, it was overwhelming. I mean, we thought we'd get 20 people and we got 150 in about four days. And, you know, Matt, God bless him, uh, responded to every single person. And then I went through and responded to the people that we thought were, were good candidates. And it's been, just amazing. There are people out there who I'm sure might be listening to this or whatever else we talk and are thinking, well, how, how come they haven't reached out to me yet? You're probably on our list. <laughs> Honestly, like we, we haven't even gotten to everyone we wanted to. It's just been so overwhelming. Yeah, it's amazing. I, and like you said, uh, it's obviously a process going on. Uh, let me. This might be a, a weird question, but as a guy who's getting ready to launch a site and anyone we're you know the sports media community. I think um, everyone is wants everyone to succeed and and wants there to be places for people to have jobs. Nobody wants people who are busting their ass doing the same things that other people are doing uh, to not have a way to feed their families or to right. work. But when Grantland closes down, do you kind of think, all right, that's good for us. That's one less. That's one less spot in a crowded area. Or or do you think, oh, it's too bad for Grantland, but hey, what were they doing good? And, and can we incorporate that into our site somehow to maybe draw this group of maybe free agent readers that are out there? Uh, a two-part question. So the first part, I got nervous. I didn't get excited. I got nervous when Grantland closed down because I was actually recruiting writers that day. And talk to three or four that night, including some people who worked at Grantland uh, that night uh, to try and come on board with us. So I got, I got nervous because I thought, well, if that didn't work, then what is uh, going to work? Uh, uh-huh. um, having said that, then we then we took the time to look at what they did and say, okay, well, why didn't that work? Well, it didn't work because, and again, I, I know this from the outside. I don't know this from any inside information. But it did, to me, it didn't work because their writer the writing budget was like $3 million. Because everyone was making too much money for the amount of traffic they were getting. And I'm not saying that's a good thing because I am making, I'm not going to tell you how much, but significantly less money than I was making at other places. And it's something that I, I took a flyer and, and had faith in in Ben and had faith in what we're doing in hopes that that money will come. Right, you build it. I, I don't know. I don't know if it will. And if it doesn't, then we built something really good and then we all hopefully you know shake hands and move on. If it does work, and the only way we're going to know is if people show up and, and, and like our product, then I think we can do a similar quality to what they were doing at Grantland, but certainly not as big in scope. I mean, they had some pieces that were just absolute prestige pieces that were wonderful that took I, I, probably 50 hours to put together. And if they don't get the clicks, then that's a lot of time and resources and money wasted. And they were allowed to do that because they had ESPN's backing. But now they don't, and they're all gone. Now, hopefully some of them get hired by Simmons or somewhere else. We don't have that luxury. So, so there was a writer yesterday who had a great idea. 
and he wanted to do something. It was a college football idea. And, and I said, how many teams do you want to do this for? And he said, I don't know. And he gave me a list, and it's like 45 teams. And I said, you're, you're going to spend five days on this, and it's not going to get the clicks that you want. And I'm not saying we're slaves to the clicks, but we have an understanding that let's serve the audience, but also do it in a way that's not going to kill us. Because we can't sustain that for more than, like the first week, we're killing ourselves. But we can't sustain that forever. And I think we need to be aware of that, which maybe some other sites aren't because they had, Grantland was in a cloud. They had a backing of ESPN right. and they just got to do whatever they wanted. Honestly, you could hear all the stories that they were fighting for this and they did have to fight for it. But the writers got to do whatever they wanted. And that was a credit to Bill Simmons and a credit to the people who ran that site. And then it got yanked away from them. And, and we hope that that doesn't happen with us. Yeah, and like you said about how high the salaries were, I know from my friends at Grantland that they also had an enormous travel budget. I mean, they would spare no cost um, to to do the stories on there. I mean, they right. would, you know, and I think that was the biggest fear when Bill first left, is they wouldn't have the freedom to write the stories. Um, and then I guess really the big fear should have been that eventually ESPN would realize that or decide that the site didn't have the value without him. Well, again, if they're losing money, which right. they were, then there are two ways to, to to save money. You cut the entire project or you scale it back to the point where it's profitable. The only way to scale that site back to the point of profitability would have been to fire all the writers <laughs> and hire different writers for cheaper rates. That would have been worse for ESPN than getting rid of the entire site. Yeah. And they weren't going to do that because if they fired everyone and then just brought in a bunch of untalented hacks because they were getting paid half the money, now you're keeping the, the name of the site around, but you're bastardizing the product. I'm not saying it was better to fire everyone, but they really didn't. A lot of, I mean, they got rid of all the pop culture stuff and, and you know, movie and TV stuff, but a lot of the really great writers are still writing at ESPN. They're right, just not writing com, right. Yep. Yeah. What about the other part of that and the uh, the idea of maybe some free agent readers and how... Uh, you might be able to uh, – how the comeback might be arriving at the perfect time for people who are missing Grantland. Is that a thought that came to your mind or is it just like, you know what, that was its own animal and, and hopefully those people will come but you didn't look at it really as an opportunity necessarily? Uh, yeah, I mean the timing of it, we didn't look at it as an opportunity. We discussed our launch and how that was going to work. We actually waited longer than we anticipated. The, the plan was hopefully to do it in October and then the beginning of November and there were some logistical issues and certainly we had to get a staff together and everything. Um, once the thing happened with Grantland, we did reach out to some of the writers and we still are, but it's not like we rushed to market, so to speak, uh, in order to capitalize on the void. I, I don't think that's the same voice and I don't think we want to be that same voice. Um, the, one, one of the Grantland writers in a very emotional time wrote something to the effect of, I, I always look at Grantland as where the cool kids worked. And, and I got that added, I got that sense from them too. Um, when I read it, that they were the cool kids and we weren't, unless you agreed with them, and then you could be a cool kid. And, and I don't, and I don't think that's what he meant with the tweet, but that's how I always took that. Um, I, you know, we're not going to necessarily be the cool kids. I think we're happy just being kids and having fun and letting people do whatever they want. And hopefully, you think what we what we do is cool. So, in terms of just tone and tenor. I don't think we're going to have just the name Grantland. I mean, I know that, you know, they always talk about how they regretted it the minute they did it, but just the whole sort of we're the internet, but we're also ESPN. They sort of had their cake and reading it too, right in front of us. And, and that is certainly not what, what we are. The sportscasters are here with uh, Dan Levy. He is the uh, writer and editor at comeback sports. 
Uh, you can find Comeback Sports on Twitter at Comeback underscore Sports. And of course, you can find Dan at Dan Levy Thinks, L E V Y. A uh, couple more things, and I'll let you go because I know you're tired. You've had a long day. <laughs> Uh, big day tomorrow. Uh, let's let's say we do this in a year, uh, and um, everything has gone as you've hoped for the site. Where will it stand? What what will it be that it's not today? I think we'll have. Well, I think the look of it's going to change soon. I think that there's the, the platform. If you look at it, it looks very similar to awful announcing. Uh, and I think the the plan, and Ben can speak more to this if you ever have him on, but I think the plan is going to be uh, to make it look a little bit different. But we wanted to get it up, and we, you know, we were we were sort of champing at the bit, so to speak, to to get this out. So it looks a little more like offline announcing. So I think from a design standpoint, uh, I would like it to be a little bit more robust, uh, and I think we all agree with that. In terms of the content, I am absolutely amazed at what we've been able to put out just in two days and what we have planned for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of this week. I don't know what the heck's going to happen next week, but this week we're going to have a hell of a lot of good stuff. Um, as for, you know, look, everybody, I have no idea what the industry is going to look like in a year. So everybody's trying to figure out what the next thing is. Right. Um, I, I don't, I read an article about Bleach Report yesterday and, and they've been insanely successful. And just hearing, one of the people I used to work for just completely and utterly revise history of what happened over the last three or four years is so hilarious to me. Just who was involved in the decisions and, and and it's just so funny. So I think what we're going to do is sort of do the old take it day by day thing. Hope we can put out good content and hope against hope that people show up because look, you mentioned the Grantland thing. I will survive as a father and a husband if you come to this site and click on our words. It doesn't even have to be my words. Click on everybody else's articles. And it's amazing how you think about it. And it's like, hey, if you could take 15 minutes of your day to come and read some stuff on our site, we can all survive. And this can be our livelihood. We're not asking for any money from you. But just show up and, and participate a little bit. And people are like, yeah, you know, <laughs> I don't want to. And it's just weird. It's like, please. But there's so many <laughs> options out there. I don't begrudge people for not coming to us. We need to prove it. We need to show you that it's worth it. And hopefully we will. Do you plan on incorporating audio at all? Um, doing any podcasts or a video elements? Or are you just guys going to just focus on words? Written words. The um, Awful Announcing did a podcast for uh, many months, years perhaps. Uh, Matt Yoder was the one I believe who hosted all of them or most of them. He is no longer doing that. I can break a little news for you. I am now doing that uh, starting tomorrow. I just got off the phone uh, with our first guest. I'm not even going to tell you who it is. Um, but on Awful Announcing, the podcast will be back, I believe, starting Wednesday. And uh, hopefully we'll have some good guests. I mean, maybe not even close to what you're getting, which is crazy. Uh, how, but we're hoping to do that. And I think eventually the plan is to do some sort of podcast or create a little bit of a network and have one at the comeback that's more general sports or maybe even just a pop culture. You know, just have celebrity guests or, or have uh, you know, industry people who are talking about not sports. I mean, that might be an idea because we'll do the awful announcing. We'll have the sports and then we'll do the comeback. We'll have not sports. We're throwing around a bunch of ideas. As for video, I was very early on keen on doing a lot of video. Uh, and Ben wants to take a little bit more of a measured uh, take with that because he's noticed that a lot of sites haven't been successful. I mean, even Bleach Report, which is hugely successful now with their 
with their video. They failed four times. They fired four video people, wow. at least, if not dozens of people under them, because what they were doing wasn't working, and they were spending millions of dollars in their video stuff. Uh, so I think Ben wants to not just throw money into video wrongly um, and make sure that you do it right. SB Nation does a, a ton of these videos, and they're great, and they're well-produced. I have zero idea if anyone clicks on them. I, I have no idea. They could be the most popular thing at the site, or they could be an absolute disaster. But they're doing a ton of them. So something's working and something's not. And until we figure out what is and what isn't, you know, we're going to hold off on that. The idea of you podcasting again is exciting and frightening for someone podcasting. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's not something... a competition, man. It's just, <laughs> no, just no. people talking. No, you're, you're, just, you're just one of the best of all time at it, really. Uh, and I say that – I've said that, well, many times, probably too many. Uh Listen, I'm excited about this, um, and the website, I wanted to get you on today because I, I think we're going to do a good show today, and I wanted you to be on and, and this site to be featured because, like you said, you can survive as a dad and a father if people click on it, and I have so much respect uh, for the kind of dad you are and the kind of guy you are and the kind of work you've done. Oh, so you. let's make sure everyone knows everything. It's thecomeback.com. Um, you can go... Uh, right there, and it'll bring it right up. I got some sad Browns fans looking right at me right now, <laughs> <laughs> staring at me in the front. Poor guy had a Hulk Hogan in his jersey. He was so upset last night. Um, and I mentioned you can go to Twitter, uh, where they are at comeback underscore sports. You can also go to Awful Announcing. Uh, a few weeks ago, we had Matt Yoder on the show, and you can go back and listen to that podcast uh, to hear more about this if you want, because we talked a little bit about it if you want. Uh, some more information. And um, what else, Dan? What else do you want to mention to our listeners about it before we let you go? Honestly, that's it. I mean, I appreciate you reaching out and, and, and asking to be a part of it because, look, we can help. Any any promotion uh, is certainly going to help. And it's one of those weird things where, you know, it, it's not easy. You know, people are people are very secure with their clicks and likes and this, that, and the other. It's funny how protective people are. I remember back when Twitter first was the wild, wild west. Everybody would follow everybody, and now it's people are more selective. They they, they have their niche, and and we hope to be a part of it. I mean, that that's all I can say is the the quality of writing is worth your time. And I don't even mean mine. I mean honestly, the the, the writing that we've had over the first couple of days and what we have coming tomorrow is so worth your time. That, that I hope people come and enjoy it and and share it with your friends and go on Facebook and Twitter and tell all your people because we need help. And if you want to help, not only by reading but writing, you know, reach out to me or reach out to Matt or, or one of the other people because we are certainly looking for talent as well. Do you have a piece that if someone had time to read one that's up there so far that you think is the most likely for them to come back? No, I mean, honestly, there's just been such a – like Alexander Goot wrote a Warriors uh, piece the first day. Uh, Leander – do you know how to say his last name? Sure. Dan, yeah, it took me like three years to learn yours, buddy. So <laughs> if, if you go to Leander Alphabet on Twitter, uh, he's, he writes for Yahoo. He's written for ESPN. He, he wrote an article on, on Set Bladder and FIFA uh, for Tuesday I, that – it's yeah. like a warm. I, I, I tweeted this. It's like a warm blanket. Just I, I got to edit this. I changed three things. Just comma here or a hyperlink there. And I felt like after such a long day, I got to finish my day editing his piece. Um, and it was it was like a hug. It was just a, an unbelievably wonderful story that was so on point and topical with the stuff that happened with FIFA today and and, and everything else going on. Uh, and, and we have that. And we have like I said, the fun Adele thing. Some of the other stuff that we had. I'm, I'm trying to think of. 
of some of the other articles. Uh, you got a pist- Pistons, uh, um, Randy Jackson find twenty five thousand bucks. What else? Saying just reading new. Like, see, here's the cool thing: we have a lot of news. We're gonna have a lot of updated news stuff, and then we have a good amount of features and, and columns and whatnot. Oh, Ian Castleberry, who's one of the people who's vital to this whole process, wrote a piece on Jim Harbaugh that was awesome too. So those are the pieces for Tuesday, at least that I would promote more than anything else. We have some power rankings. We're gonna do some fun power rankings. Um, but do it in like a tongue in cheek way where like we understand power rankings are inherently stupid, but because they're inherently stupid, let's do a lot of them. Um, that's maybe the hipsterest thing I'll say all day, but I think it's true (laughs) and it works. It's just fun. Um, so we're going to have one of those, maybe even every day, different sports. We have one of those up today. We'll have one tomorrow as well for the NFL. So it's just been fun. I mean, again, a ton of work, but the balance of quick hit, fun stuff, rankings, in-depth pieces, really wonderful pros. Uh, has just been it's been taxing and yet rewarding at the same time. And I'm a guy who loves lists, and there's a category for lists. Uh, Matt Yoder has the first one, the 15 greatest comebacks in sports history, and I enjoyed. Oh, it's great. Yeah. yeah, I enjoyed clicking through that. Uh, Dan, I I felt the hurt and the sadness in your post after everything happened at Bleacher Report. <laughs> oh and, yeah, and it's great to hear the passion and excitement in your voice today. Um, well, and I you. really hope that this kills. Um, one more time, thecomeback.com. Uh, go to them. Go to them on Twitter at comeback underscore sports. Uh, you can follow Dan at Dan L-E-V-Y. Thanks. And, of course, you can get more information as well at Awful Announcing. Uh, if you are used to going there, you can go there and uh, find your way uh, to the comeback as well. Dan, thanks for all the time. Hope you get some rest. Uh, hope Iron Max is doing great. Uh, I saw a picture on your Twitter. Your daughter, she looks like a fierce little soccer player. <laughs> I wouldn't want to have to take that elbow, that that poor girl in the picture. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah that's fierce. Yeah, so um, uh, thanks for the time, and uh, we'll have you back soon. Awesome, thank you. All right. I want to thank Dan Levy for being on the podcast today. Also want to thank Joe Buck for being on the podcast. Don't forget you can find this podcast, last week's podcast with Jim Florentine and Greg Wyshynski, or any of our podcasts on our website, www.sports-casters.com. Thank you to the few of you who have said you do like the existence of the website. Okay. Um, And the one of you who said, I've never seen your website. <laughs> uh, so I assumed it would be the other way around. It's been about a split. Well, I shouldn't say a split because it wasn't two emails. But right. uh, our website is www.sports-casters.com. Some of you apparently find it useful. Some of you don't. I was just thinking we, we came into this segment. Uh, an interesting thing for the fans to pay attention to. In addition to paying attention to all the great content that we have yeah. everything good we have to say uh i mess up at least once a show on either coming into the audio or something and it'd be interesting to see because i was thinking about that when i came into this segment because i didn't mess this one up there's still time to mess it up but uh i did mess an earlier one up and i'm like man i have to it's like i gotta get one out of my system every week yeah so look for that that's the easter <laughs> those are the unintentional easter eggs in the podcast we do edit them out though don we do, but I wonder if how seamlessly we can, do it. Can you find Can them? you catch yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, you can find 
I don't know where I am in the plugs. You can find this episode, last episode, all the episodes, www.sports-casters.com. You can email us at sportscasters at gmail.com. Uh, you can tweet Don at Don Lake Sports. Uh, you can tweet me at sports underscore casters. Uh, we have Facebook. Uh, we did that uh, Periscope thing. Yeah. Yeah, we did. I think people liked it. Yeah, I don't know. people that were in there, sure. Yeah. I was surprised that people, like, with no it wasn't millions, notification, yeah, that some. were actually in there. We'll do that again. I didn't want to do it today because we really wanted this to be a decent show. Yeah, yeah. Happy and, but we didn't yeah. want to be distracted on right. anything, but we'll do that again and do more with it. And also, uh, this is one of four episodes left of season five. So that means after today, there'll be three. And when we want season six, when we start season six, we love your input. Uh, who do you want us to try to get on the show? Um, are there any bits that you could think of that you'd like us to try or just anything that you think could make the podcast better? Tell us. I, I floated the one idea of Don Books the show. Yeah. I love that idea. I hope we can <laughs> come together on that. But uh, I think that's it for the plugs. Yeah. All right, one last thing for me this week. Uh, the Star Wars movie, The Force Awakens, comes out December 18th. Um, I don't expect – well, I know I won't be there on the first run of it because I, I don't have tickets yet. It seems like you have to already, but I am excited about it. Uh, I'm not a big Star Wars guy, but I, I do like it enough. I, I think I've seen all of them. I know I've seen all the, the three classic ones and at least two of the, the other ones in their entirety. But uh, – I am excited about it. I'm excited about Disney owning it because I tend to like. Now, this one is 50 years after the sixth. That one. I don't know. See, I'm. I'm this, I, I mean, think. I, I th- let me. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I no, think that's this cool. is right. I think this movie starts 40 or 50 years after Episode the sixth six, movie, right. which was actually the third one. Yeah. Uh, I I knew before I started this I'm going to put myself in a weird spot because what I'm going to say isn't going to be geeky enough for the hardcore Star Wars fans, but it's going to be just geeky enough that anyone that has no interest in this isn't going to like it. But uh, I typically like when Disney, like I like the Marvel Cinematic Universe being in Disney's hands. I know, again, some people that are probably super Marvel nerds probably hate that because of something. I don't know. But I've been entertained by the Avengers and all the stuff that led up to the Avengers. So I'm a little bit excited about this. I don't know that I'll get to the theater to see it, uh, but that could be a, a bit to do with just the fact that I have kids and getting to the theater is difficult. And if I do get to the theater, convincing my wife to see Star Wars might be a tricky one. But <laughs> uh, this is where I'm going to crowdsource the audience here a little bit. If I was going to introduce Star Wars to your kids, do you do it chronologically, like by the order they came out? Or do you introduce them in the order that they should be in? Like, so do I show them? No, 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 no. I, I'm shaking my head the wrong way. Absolutely start with the good ones. So start with number four. Yeah, you don't want to start them off with the shit movies, right? No, but uh, I talked to my buddy at work that has kids a little bit older than mine. And he said he's done this already, and it confuses the hell out of them when they start to watch. The, like, why? wait, what? This little kid is Darth Vader? Like, I don't understand that. But uh, So I'm curious, anyone out there that has kids or maybe has more opinions on star wars than i do do you start the kids in like the order that the storyline like in canon order or do you go chronologically the way they came out i think the real answer is you start them with karate kid one (laughs) she hasn't seen that uh she's seen the mighty ducks not that they really compare but i'm just trying to think of like 
younger or movies from back then, although the Ducks were a little bit later than Karate Kid. Did she like the Ducks? She. This must have been when she was older because I was or, uh, younger because I was reminded about it when my time hop or the Facebook thing came up the one day. But uh, I think we caught the end of it, and I was explaining to her what was going on, and then Charlie gets the uh, penalty shot or whatever it is. The penalty shot, right? It's not yeah. Very quick. Yeah, he gets the penalty shot goal, and like she's like, I'm like, Molly, Charlie scored. They won the game. And she goes, Charlie scored. I love you. <laughs> like, okay, so you get the, the hokiness and all that of this movie. Perfect. So, yeah, she did enjoy it. Now, if you ask her to watch anything like that, she's not interested. It's all yeah. My Little Ponies and Teen Titans. My Little Pony, huh? Yeah, yeah. They're both they're both pretty good, actually. Are you, you have wh- to watch a cartoon. Are you one of those? Bronies? No, no, I'm not into it. I can name most of them from the cartoon, but uh, what about the the other word? Not bronies, but the other people, the ones that furries. No, uh, <laughs> what are they called? I don't know. I know the bronies are the so like guys. Uh, I'm gonna keep it PG for today. Okay, um, <laughs> we'll talk about that another time. Yeah, I I think I I think you should. I get Carl's point, but. Because he did it the way you said, but he said his kids are all confused by it. I don't know. She might be confused anyway. She's not even four. So, yeah. Well, there's going to be a new Sportscaster's baby. We didn't mention that. So congratulations to Don on baby number three coming soon. <laughs> God help me. Yeah. No, so. thank you. So uh, yeah, Don's having a third kid. Can't wait. Yeah. Comes in June. Sportscaster's baby number three. I got to keep that one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sending it to your house. Oh no. All right, one last thing uh for me today as a side note for my one last thing. So I guess I have two last things. I saw Apollo or no, it's not called Apollo, it's called Creed. Creed, yeah. It's great. Go see it. Uh one last thing. Howard Stern officially has as I talk right now seven episodes left on his contract at Sirius XM. These serious guys Love doing this, like just waiting to the last second. And so Howard. does Howard, by yeah, the oh way. Yeah, oh yeah. And I would guarantee that going into the last episode, we're not going to know what the hell is going on. Now, like, that they probably would take a break for Christmas anyway. There's, like, look at this is what it is. He signed a five year deal that always went. Oh, till January. January. Okay, you know, Jan- so this is the last year. And he owes them seven more shows, which will end right in time for their annual stopping until after New Year's. Now, will they come back after New Year's is the question. And Howard's been really coy about it. And he does usually take a phone call every day about it. Now, I don't know if those people are saying they're going to talk to him about Hank the Angry Drunken Dwarf. And then instead they... Slip a contract question in, uh, <laughs> but he is very coy. I think he'll be back. I think if it was five years ago or ten years, there'd be no chance. He's quitting America's Got Talent, right? Yeah, he's officially done, and uh, Howard or um, the guy from American Idol is taking his spot. Oh, that's right, yeah. Uh, Simon Cowell. Who got caught in the Sony hacks. Did he really? Po- campaigning for the job before Howard left. Oh, okay. But – um. I just don't think at the age of 63 that he's ambitious enough to start over. I think he still wants to do radio. I don't think he's ready to retire. 
He talks a lot about how he enjoys being home with his wife. He likes painting. Look, at he does three shows a week at max, which means he's got a four-day weekend every week. Right. Which is plenty of time with the money he has to go to his Florida house for a few days, come back, stay in the city if he wants, go to the Hamptons if he wants. Also, he doesn't even need to do three shows every week to meet the committed 114 (laughs) shows or whatever he currently is signed to. Uh, They did switch from six to seven for him. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe he wanted to go to eight um, or 730 uh, or something like that. But it's just my opinion as a fan. I don't think that he wants to start a new venture at Apple or Spotify or well, that was my thought. Just he, his own thing. I he, think ten years ago, if the technology was there, he would have went his own way. But I just don't think at this age. I mean, I've never been in the serious building, but I've certainly seen video of it. And I mean, there's a wing there for him, right? Where he can walk in, and everything is there, and his staff is there, and his staff is getting paid, and. I just think about those people who obviously don't know if they have a seven days of work left or five more years. Could you see a scenario where he does a um, – although this would involve kind of leaving everyone behind, but almost like a Barbara Waltersy type, I only come out to do long-form interviews. Not and, this time, no. I don't think. Yeah, because he's not going to retire. Maybe. There's no way retired. And and sometimes stuff will slip out. And I think one time he said, I left America's Got Talent because I want to concentrate on this. I think he still loves radio. Yeah. And I think that the the growth of the podcast even has maybe motivated him to want to keep his head in the radio game. Because I, I don't think he's ready for radio to not be relevant. And I'm not saying Howard Stern's going to walk away from radio and be irrelevant. But, I mean, literally everything Howard Stern has ever walked away from has become less relevant. Sure, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt that terrestrial radio is significantly less relevant than it was when he left. Because there's 30 million more satellite subscribers uh, since he left or whatever. Who takes his spot if he goes? I think they just delete the channels. But they're gone. They're done then, right? I mean, that's got to be Sirius's biggest seller. It, literally the number two channel. Okay, so the number one channel is Howard 100. The number two channel is Howard reruns. OB. Oh, okay. And number three is the other Howard channel. Right. So, I mean. Boy. The, is Sirius going to hang their hat on That's what I mean. OB? They are going to do... You talk about him moving to 8 o'clock. If he's got to do two hours three times a week, I mean, that's what he's going to do. That sucks a little bit as a fan. Not that I, I haven't been a fan of – I kind of abandoned – Well, I, of if he moves it up to 8, I still think he'd do four-hour show. Oh, okay. I, yeah, yeah. I, I just – I think maybe one of the sticking points at his age might just be the hours. Okay. You know, that he might not want to wake up. Like, that's why they went from 6 to 7. He didn't want to wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning anymore. Sure. Yeah. Now, now, 7, that might be enough for him. He might be good. Seven, three days, that might be fine, you know, but I don't know. I just, I don't think he's going to retire. I don't think he's ambitious enough at this point of his career to start something else. 
Um, and I think that they have said um, – I think that they have said that there's one thing left, which has got to be a salary. Mm. You know? So uh, I got an article here. I don't know where it's from. Oh, the New York Daily News. Um, uh, this is from Saturday. Uh, it said Howard Stern Coy when asked about expiring contract with SiriusXM. Uh, the legendary host was Coy. Uh, he said, we're talking to people about the future. I'm interested in continuing working, but we'll see where it lands. Uh, you don't know until the contract's signed. I can just say I'm interested in continuing on the radio. Where I end up, I don't know yet. Yeah. So, All right. I know this is already going long, but I got uh, one more question. If you and would, he made eighty million dollars last year. You would, there. yeah, you would think one hundred and fourteen dates. Not bad. Yeah, you would think that with his ego, and I don't mean that negatively. I think he's got a pretty famous ego. Uh, Absolutely. You would think that he would know when he's done, and I think he'd want everyone to know. I think he'd want a Steve Smith style farewell, a Derek Jeter farewell tour. I think he'd want every guest that celebrity guest that comes in there to know that there are this is probably the last time they're interviewing with him. I I just can't see like Letterman just had sure yeah 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 that's probably a better example yeah um so for him to be coy that has to be just him being coy for the sake of being he coy wants, or for he wants a, serious to know well right yeah that's hey there's other places it's, for me it's it's a tactical coyness I don't think it's modesty or, assuming they paid him 80 million dollars last year for 114 dates, that's $701,000 a show. <laughs> Nobody nice. who can still walk is walking away from that deal. That's uh, This is going local, but uh, that's Ville Leno. Yeah, goals. Per goal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>